0: You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. This is Amy Poehler. My new movie, Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2, is coming to theaters June 14th, and it's making me feel joy and sadness and anger, definitely some disgust, and I think a little fear. But I'm also feeling these new emotions like anxiety, embarrassment,
1: envy, and ennui. <sighs> it's what you call the boredom. Okay, that one was weird.
0: It's going to be the feel-everything movie of the summer. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theaters June 14. Get tickets now.
1: Judy was
0: boring. Hello.
1: Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com.
0: It's my little
2: escape.
1: Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to chumpacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Ch-ch-chumba. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And, you know, and we did our air, our air hugs and our air kisses. Mm-hmm. and Said goodbye, just like any other show that closes, which is so strange. You know, that kind of sudden ending. But this one was so... Particularly strange because it was just so high intensity because it was just so much energy around buzzing around it the entire time, and then it's just gone and over. It's so peculiar. So peculiar.
0: This is the backdrop. I'm Kevin Blyer, and we're back. Well, not back, back. I mean, theater's not quite back, but we're back, and the reason we're back is because theater has officially taken its first tentative step once more unto the boards which is to say the first equity approved production has been mounted and has successfully dismounted at the barrington stage company in massachusetts harry clark is a one-man show by playwright david Cale about a man who isolates himself from society in order to well survive i suppose sound familiar trouble is he's got a pre-existing condition of duplicity and moral weakness but And as a writer, forgive me for saying so, but in this instance, the play might be beside the point? Uh, Okay, the play's never beside the point, the play's the thing. But that the play happened at all, in late August of what appeared to be the end times that the play played, that's also the thing. So, plot, character, and resonant themes aside, I wanted the inside scoop. Of course, the production was ultimately moved outside, so I wanted the outside scoop. I wanted to know what it was like to be the first out of the gate, as it were, in this slow-moving crawl back to normality. Could you still smell the grease paint through that mask and was smelling even COVID guidelines approved? And could you still hear the roar of that crowd, the smaller crowd outside under a tent and socially distanced? And considering the stakes of theater's dwindling oxygen supply, I wanted to know whether the principles behind this first test case production, lone actor Mark H. Dold and artistic director Julianne Boyd, felt like I imagined them to feel, you know, like Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin stepping foot on the moon. Uh, Sure, I'm being dramatic, but this is theater after all. And so I asked, Mark H. Dold and Julianne Boyd,
2: next. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane.
0: In this strange wilderness that is the year 2020, Mark H. Dold is no less than a pioneer, having recently taken the stage intrepid and all alone as an actor, the only actor, in the first equity-approved production since COVID-shuttered theaters across the country. Julianne Boyd is his director, and I'm going to assume occasional temperature checker, as well as the artistic director of Barrington Stage (laughs) Company in Pittsfield, Massachusetts, the heart of the Berkshires. Uh, Mark and Julie, welcome to The Backdrop. Thank Thank you so much. It's lovely to speak to you. Mark, do you feel like a pioneer having done what you've done this summer? (laughs) Uh, I love Julie's chuckle. (laughs) Kevin, um,
1: you know, that's so funny that it just, even just hearing the introduction, um, the God's honest truth, I guess I should be saying yes, but for some reason, um, I, I just. Okay, yes, yes, I do feel like a pioneer. I don't, I I guess I don't know what a pioneer is supposed to feel like, but I think if I look back, because now we're three days after the show, the more I reflect back, the more I'll probably realize wow, we were pioneers. But, you know, since it's still kind of living and breathing in me, and there was so much to it. Um, I haven't really had that thought, but yes, right. sure, sure. Yep, sure.
0: And yet, you were still just doing Covered your job. A, pi- a pioneer does their job. They ford the river. That's what they do. You were just showing up, uh, hitting your marks, and reading your lines, and inhabiting a character. Same deal, right?
1: Well, that's why I, I yeah, that's why I feel like it. Uh, it hasn't really hit me yet because um, my job, you know, at least on stage and rehearsal, was ostensibly the same. Yeah, you know. Uh, and yet, you do the best work you can possibly do. You always put 100% in and sure. you try to make it worthwhile for everyone who, you know, walks through the door. You
0: know, but I think about it, and in a sense, you're kind of like our nation's theatrical food tester. You are thinking, is this safe? Can we consume this together? <laughs> you know, is it safe to go back in the water, as it were, right? Well, um, three days funny. later, I am alive and yes. well. And
1: um, yeah, we can officially say it is safe to go back in the water, and hopefully, more and more people. Uh, we'll be able to, thanks to everything that Julie and Barrington's stage have done.
0: Precisely. Well, actually, before we delve into the process of what it actually took to produce Harry Clark, or rather, Harry Clark, I, don't, I can't do my accent, um, we'll put a little context here. <laughs> you know, back in March, Mark, you were part of the company of The Inheritance on Broadway, which closed a week prematurely due to COVID. One week, so close, right? But take us back to the kind of the before times for a moment. What was the feeling of having that rug pulled out from under you, And can you believe that was only five months ago?
1: I can't, actually, uh, to answer the the latter question first. No, I mean, that feels so much has happened to all of us. That feels like a lifetime ago. Um, You know, the rug was um, kind of ripped out twice from the inheritance early. We felt like we were closing a bit early. But, you know, that is what that is, the life of commercial theater. But closing that, doing that last show on the 11th was particularly strange. It was a two-show day, meaning part one, part two. Coincidentally, that was the day Lincoln Center Theater was there filming for the archives. So if they weren't there that day, uh, this production would would not have been recorded. People would not know what it is years from now. Uh, and it was just strange. You know, two-show day, you go out for dinner between shows. I remember walking back up 8th Avenue and 45th, it was out of 45th and 46th Street, was completely cordoned off by NYPD vehicles. Oh, my. And I remember thinking my first thought was, oh my God, it's it's here. It's here. COVID is here, because, you know, we knew it was coming and we knew it was getting closer because, you know, the Schuberts had gone through massive safety precautions already. The theaters were being cleaned between shows constantly. People were thing and batting. Nobody was allowed backstage. Lots of protocol was already in place to protect us. But I remember thinking, seeing the police cars and thinking, it's here. We got back to the dressing rooms, and then the rumors started flying about an usher testing positive across the street at the production of Six. And then I had a very sinking feeling, and I turned to my dressing room mates and I said to my my boys, "I'm taking things home tonight." Mm-hmm. And they said, "What?" And I said, "I'm pulling all of my cards down. I'm taking my computer. I'm taking my chargers. I have this very very strange feeling." And that was it. And we never we left that Wednesday, and we never went back. You know, it was painful and strange to answer your question in the short version, but, you know, then everything became such a – there was so much so much chaos ensued right after that that um, to think just about the inheritance, you, you couldn't because, you know, the world right. was suddenly turned upside down for everyone.
0: Right, and then it took a few months to regroup, to find people's footing, and then to step back out even carefully from behind the curtain as you've done here with Harry Clark – You know, a one-man, Harry Clark's a one-man show. A one-man show is already a lot Mm -hmm. of pressure. In fact, it's all the pressure. All eyes are on you. But knowing that you were being publicized, dare I say it, as a bit of a test case for the comeback, did you feel, other than doing your job, which you knew you needed to do, did you also feel an additional weight? Um, I,
1: I guess subconsciously the answer would be yes but if i let those voices there are a lot of voices in my head to begin with um, <laughs> but if i let that if i let those voices get l- louder and louder and louder i never would have been able i literally would not have been able to function right um, and i think there is something about the mammoth task of doing a solo show there's something about having to play 19 characters there was so much work for me to do literal hard work for me to do oddly it was the greatest gift Having my first time back in the course of this pandemic, being a solo show because I, I didn't have time to worry about that other stuff.
0: It was a really. blessing to be overwhelmed.
1: Was, am I? Oh my! <laughs> seriously, that is. Thank you for being more articulate than I could ever be. It was a blessing to be overwhelmed. That sense of of can I do this? Was really what actually helped me do it.
0: But thankfully, um, you were also joining, as you know, in the quagmire, a company and with an artistic director that would give you phenomenal support. Which brings us to Julie. Julie, Harry Clark was selected as a production when in this summer.
2: Well, it wasn't planned for this summer to begin with. Uh, the rights were not available, and um, and so when we had to change our schedule, which was you know filled with big musicals mm-hmm. and bigger shows mm-hmm. and you know world premieres and everything. And when we realized in March that we couldn't do that season, the first thing, Kevin, we started doing was just trimming that season. We thought, oh, okay, we won't do South Pacific and the new musical A Crossing that Josh Bergas had created um, in Mark St. Germain. We'll do just the smaller shows. We'll do Mm -hmm. Chester Bailey, which was two actors, and we'll do a show with five actors, you know, those things. And then we said, well, where will we do them? We can't do them in our stage two. We would have to move them to our main stage And so we first started thinking, could we do a season at all?
0: Mm -hmm, When mm
2: -hmm. we realized we could take our 520-seat theater, take out, believe it or not, two-thirds of the seats, Mm -hmm. social distancing seating for 160, it seemed then that that was a fabulous stage two. And we should be thinking of our theater not as a main stage and a stage two in a cabaret. We have three spaces. We would only work on the main stage, and we would do shows that would be appropriate for a rather large stage two, which brought us to Harry Clark. Yeah. Also, the fact that at this point, equity was saying no one's working, no one can work, and we thought, well, what if we worked with one actor? There was no backstage crew, and there was no set was needed, and one costume. So it's a, a it's a one man show. It's
0: a one man show. So you're thinking no sweat, right? In fact, that was the one rule: no sweat. Mark, you're not allowed to sweat. Ha!
1: Yes. Seriously. Well, also, and don't forget, and no intermission too, Julie. Right? You know, oh, yeah, eighty yeah, minutes, right, eighty Mark. minutes in out.
2: No intermission because we didn't want people were saying like, how do they use the the facilities, the bathrooms? No gift shop, no concessions. Anyhow, I had wanted to do Harry Clark since I saw it being done in New York like two years ago, two or three years ago, and I had actually spoken to Mark after. Right, Mark? I I either yeah. called or emailed you, and I said I have this great play that you're perfect for. It's Harry Clark. And we tried to get the rights, not this past summer, but in 2019, and they were not available. So we tried. It had closed in New York. We tried again at the spur of the moment, thinking maybe we could get it because there's so little theater being done. And we were able to get the rights only for two weeks. And the licensing was very strict. We couldn't have New York reviews. Mm-mm, just mm. we could do it with the Berkshire community, with with the regional. I mean, we could do Boston Globe, Albany and all of that. We thought, well, we're we're doing this small production. Nobody's going to notice. It'll be fine. (laughs) And literally, we didn't think about, Kevin, when you said Pioneer, I didn't think about that. I just, I believe that art has healing power. I believe in the necessity of live theater. And to me, to do Harry Clark, which is this great play about, you know, a showman, a con man, he's charming. I thought the audience, they could get out of themselves and get involved in a story, get involved in something that transcends their like everyday daily experiences. And I called Mark, right? I said, Mark, do yeah. you want to do it? He said, Oh my God. Oh first of all, yeah. he said, Oh my God, a one a one person show. Oh to learn all those lines. Because and guess it, what? It I'm available.
1: 40- <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, yes. And he said he was <laughs>
1: Yeah. And and no one's thinking, no, Barrington wasn't like, we've got to be first. We've got to be first. No, no one knew that's the way all the dominoes were going to fall. Sure, no one. Sure. It's just, that's, that's the way. Exactly.
0: It's not, we got to be first. It's that just, what exactly can we actually right. do? Yeah. Yep. And in fact, this was originally right. then, scheduled, you know, as you said, was... to be indoors, but Massachusetts had a different theater in mind for you, basically. You moved it outside.
2: Right. <laughs> so we, we spent from May 15th to the beginning of July getting equity approval. yeah because we were the first production to go indoor to be able to get indoor approval, which was a big thing. Outdoors a little easier. Indoors is really we had to change our airflow system. Right. We did major other than just you know, taking out seats. So we spent a lot of time getting the theater ready and we finally got equity approval, which was marvelous. And then the week before we go into tech rehearsal, right, Mark? The week before? Two, the when- Two days oh, no. before we go into <laughs> tech day. You're right. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. You're, you're,
2: so we found out on Wednesday, actually, yes, we were going to go into tech on Saturday, but in the back of our minds, we said, what if we don't get approval? What if we uh-huh. don't get into our uh-huh. approval? So Mark and I and our, our tech staff had been talking about like, well let's just do a backup plan in case we have to do this outdoors. And my general manager had put the the local tent people who do all of our you know events they do you have a tent big enough? They said yes, would you put it on hold for us? So we had a tent on hold already. We told our lighting designer who was really the only because we didn't need um, sets and costumes. We told our lighting designer, you gotta plan both. He literally was coming up with a lighting plan, a grid for the tent. Yeah, When we found out we couldn't do it inside, mm. indoors.
0: Well, it's a very theatrical move. Uh, the Thespian's creed de court is, you know, hey, there's a barn down by the river. Let's put on a show.
1: That's exactly right. what we kept saying, too. We were like, you try to knock us down and we're just going to show you how we can rise back up.
0: So ultimately you opened Our outdoors. Our
2: audience was so ready for it.
0: And it was at the Polish Community Club. Is that because yes. Poland has looser reopening restrictions? <laughs> 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 Forgive me. I had to ask. It's, I had to it's ask.
2: Because, uh, it's, be, it's, it's because a wonderful person on our board owns the former Polish Community Club. I see. And there's a gigantic uh, parking lot, which happens to be caddy corner to our stage two. So we could use the dressing rooms and the indoor facility you know, for Mark, you know, to his dressing room, and and also there were no bathroom facilities with the tent. And if people needed to use facilities, they were available just right across the street.
1: Right, and even though we're outside, we still had to move all of our safety protocols yeah. over to this other building. Yeah. And adapt them and not to to be glib because we're being outside, you know, everybody was still socially distancing, yeah, yeah, people yeah. weren't touching, um, nobody touched my prop, nobody touched sure, that, sure. you know, I mean, all of that stuff.
0: I'll actually ask you about those protocols in one moment, but I, I just want to say about this idea of outdoor theater. I happen to love outdoor theater. I mean, sometimes I prefer it. Maybe it's because I grew up going to Ashland every summer, seeing plays outside in the in mm. the Elizabethan. Oh wow! Loved it. Just there's something organic about it. And this play, to some degree, suits outdoors, doesn't it?
1: Yes, he's out. He's <coughs> on the Seychelles. Mm-hmm. On the Islands.
0: Yeah, uh, sitting on a beach,
1: looking out at the Indian Ocean.
0: It's not a. It's not a, a bit, huge leap of yeah. faith to think we're outside. No, and I also said to somebody else, oddly,
1: and I know David Kale didn't, you know didn't have the forethought or you know, who knew what was coming. It's oddly the perfect kind of COVID play in a weird way because it's a guy alone, yeah. kind of socially distant, quote unquote, reflecting back on a, a, a portion of what his life used to look like.
0: Now let's talk about those protocols. Mm-hmm. So you worked with Actors' Equity to produce the show safely at every stage, every step. Tell us about what that meant as far as the process on, say, a given show day. And were there any measures you took that wouldn't be obvious to us. What did you have to go through each day between say getting up and getting on stage?
1: Well, you know, entering the building, there was a whole safety protocol. There were standards entering the buildings as there are for most buildings now. You know, I was met by my sanitation station, did the, you know, standard temperature pulse oximeter checks, had to go to then to a Google Doc and fill in my results, and then and only then could I enter the rehearsal space. Everybody was socially distanced in the rehearsal space there were only 4 of us allowed ostensibly in that space julie as the director me as the actor stage manager julie's assistant they were all masked i was allowed not to wear a mask however if julie had to approach me or anyone had to approach me people had to be masked that way um we each had our own assigned bathrooms we were each told which you know doors in and out of this admin building to use and uh yeah that's what the day to day looked like Julie, am I forgetting anything there?
2: Oh, so well, we uh, weekly tests. We had to get weekly mm-hmm. COVID mm-hmm. tests. Mm-hmm. I w- still am. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's Monday, just really important. Yeah,
1: every Monday, everyone in our pod uh, had to be tested weekly. Um, I I was um, encouraged not to have anyone visit me in my housing. I chose to come up early about 12 days early and self-quarantine before the rehearsal process started although oddly actors equity ended up pulling that off the table because the numbers in berkshire county Mm. were and have remained so low um hello governor baker uh yeah that was that was pretty much um the day-to-day of course my car was sanitized my housing was sanitized etc
2: i was going to say while this might sound like why did you go to all this trouble to do a show It's going to be the new norm Mm -hmm. until we get a vaccine. Mm -hmm. We either wait for the vaccine or we try to find a way to do theater, albeit perhaps smaller productions. Who knows? I mean, we can't put 20 people on the stage singing. We all know that, you know, but I think that we wanted to find what that new norm was and not wait. I mean, to do nothing didn't seem like what we do in theater. You know, doing theater is a risk, period. Just doing yeah. theater, you uh, yeah. know, putting up a production to see if people will like it, to see if critics will like it. So we just took that risk a little farther along. But we always made sure that we had either a medical or scientific theory behind this. We worked with the Berkshire Medical Center doctors. We worked with our uh, air conditioning company. Right. We worked with a, a company here that does sanitation for hospitals and gyms. So we gathered all the information together and said, can we do this? And with the staff, we decided it wasn't that difficult. You did have to spend a little money and above everything, you have to be really careful everything has to be done a certain way well to that end i'm actually curious
0: mark the the act of performance itself self-consciously or not self-consciously i mean i i remember i remember in my college days i visited the rsc and an instructor there admitted that some teachers there he thought taught a too spitty elocution (laughs) they were just spitting all of their (laughs) (laughs) lines, and i just i'm curious you know you're up there on stage alone not to make yourself conscious but did you Think about how spitty you were being when you were speaking in front of this. You know, you know
1: everyone. Every once in a while, uh, every once in a while, I did, and I forgot to. I <laughs> forgot to mention one of the things that Equity did impose on us uh, on the show was a kind of hard line of demarcation. There was a yeah. certain point where I could not cross. Mm. I could not come any further downstage. I had to maintain at least, I think it was fifth, tw- other twelve or fifteen feet I distance
2: right. from the person it, it, it was in the front row at yeah. all times. Yeah. Yeah. was so technically twelve, that- but we did fifteen. Yeah. We
1: did fifteen, right. We built that yeah. Kevin into the set design. So there was a very hard mark for me that I would never cross. But I did every once in a while think about that. Yeah, I did. Um
0: And you did fifteen, um, Julie, because you knew that Mark uh, has a tendency to spit fourteen feet. I get it. I get it. That's what you're really trying to say.
2: <laughs> she, she <laughs> yeah,
1: I've had far too much training. That's what I <laughs> need to be able to get an extra three feet.
0: <laughs> Look, were there any measures you took that you think are probably applicable even on years without pandemics? Like, you know, like, hey, stay six feet away from me. I'm trying to get into character.
1: <laughs> uh, no, no, uh, no. Um, again, my my behavior as an actor, and I think that's also the thing that helped me a lot. I thought, okay, this is familiar. I know this. I know what a process right. is like. I know the literal work I have to do to make this as as valuable an experience for the audience as I possibly can and for me. And there was so much comfort that I took in that because I didn't know how that was going to change but it was very much the same. I will say the funny thing that hit both Julie and myself, just before we were moving into previews, a few people, a smattering of people would come into the main stage to watch run-throughs because, of course, at this point, we still thought we were doing it there. And it hit me like a ton of bricks, uh, not just the social distancing aspect. I thought, oh my gosh, I am i can't see their faces. Yeah. Um, and my greatest scene partner in this show is the audience. And then I thought, I'm not going to be able to you know, are they awake? Are they yeah. asleep? Are they smiling? Are they frowning? Are they laughing? Am I going to be able to hear a response? And it was funny when we got into performance. Julie would even say to me, "Oh, you got a huge laugh on that," and I'd say, "God, I didn't hear anything." Mm. Um, so that was one of the big actor adjustments for me was not being able. The immediate of the impact masks. of what was yeah. going on, I couldn't. I couldn't read.
0: Yeah. You couldn't presume so the audience had to was wear giving it, right. And with those masks, it could have worked in your favor too. You couldn't notice them muttering, "Yeah, I'm not buying it."
1: You <laughs> actually, it's a <laughs> blank slate. So I will tell you this, so you know what you know. What old habits die hard. The one thing I thought certainly in these extraordinary circumstances, I'm trying to be on my best behavior. Hopefully, everyone else will be. To look out and every once in a while see somebody send a text message or check uh-huh, their phone, uh-huh. even in the midst of all this, I thought, oh my God, really,
0: <laughs> really? Like that, this is,
1: we we can't, we just can't, oh my God, we can't break away from that, can we? And it's funny, you know, actors were a really adaptable breed too. And I did it very early on, say to Julie and even to Actors' Equity, because I had to speak to them. I said, uh, I would do this for one person, if one person- Yeah, exactly. It, it's, it's essential that this, that this event happened.
2: Quite honestly, Kevin, we have been asked by more theaters and more, I mean, I I can't tell you, I could be on the phone two hours every single day telling, you know, theaters want to consult. But it's not, I hate to say it, it's not that difficult. If your theater allows it, here's why we could do it. Our seats were not bolted into cement in the floor. They were screwed into wood. Our theater had been renovated in 2006. It's an old vaudeville house, 1912 vaudeville house. So it was easy for us to take out the seats. If you have a theater where you can't do that, it's going to be very, very difficult. Um, And then we were able to redo our, our air conditioning system. A lot of places can't. Say you're in a theater, you're the first floor of an office building, as many theaters are around the country, you know. And we own our own building. The air conditioning system had been redone in 2006. We actually have four air conditioners in the main stage, and each of them works separately, but we were able to, we, we it literally takes us seven minutes to purge the air. That's it. And we worked with the air conditioning company, and then instead of a 10 or 20% fresh air with the rest being recirculated, we now do 50-50 with these very special filters. They're called MERV 13s which are commercial, you know, top grade commercial. And and most theaters don't, we didn't have it before. We had like what's called, now i you know, I sound scientific. Believe me, I'm not. (laughs) Um, We had Merv eight eight filters, but you just have to find out what, what your theater, what you can do in your own theater and and see, because if you can't take out seats or in, you know, in some instances, I think there's one theater putting plexiglass up between seats. Mm. I mean, that's really costly. I would say ours altogether was less than fifty thousand dollars. Okay. Probably between thirty and forty thousand dollars. The thing that's probably the most expensive for us, the bathrooms, doing the touchless sinks, toilet, soap dispensers, and a paper towel. Right. Right. But that's something that we, when you were mentioning, you know, yeah. what will continue after this, that's something I'm really happy that we did. We shouldn't be touching handles of people. They say that's one of the ways that you can pick up germs pre-COVID is by touching the same fixtures in a bathroom. So we're really happy we did that. I love the fact that our air conditioning system is safer now. It, It makes all the sense in the world to me. I can't wait to get all the seats back in the theater, though. You know, I want yeah. to see people in the theater.
0: Are you also going through your catalog for the for the next few years thinking what plays can withstand being outdoors, uh, you know, with the sound of a helicopter overhead or a raccoon walking through?
2: Or, or motorcycles in our neighborhood. Oh, yeah. And it's not a
1: park. We weren't doing it in a park. We were doing it on a on a street corner.
2: But you mentioned, are we looking at other plays? You know, one of the difficulties of all of us, all of the theaters in planning a season— or even what we planned to do this fall and we had we had to continually change. It's being ready for the season you want to do yeah, and the season that you could do, that you love, but it's not as exciting or maybe not as many world premieres or you have relationships with artists and sometimes you say, oh, but that play we were going to do with them at nine people, but this yeah. one is two yeah. people. So we're going to have to probably... I mean, what we're doing starting in September, our board has asked us to come up with the season we want to do, and then what are the backup? Give us one or two backup plans, and what would the date be when you need to change your season? Right. And that's, I think that's what we're all facing. Well,
0: these are the practical decisions that you need to make in order to keep these seasons chugging, to keep a full schedule, um, and you managed to sustain this for a few months, do you think however that theater could sustain this for if need be a few years uh half a decade
2: i think it would be very difficult okay. you know the financial model will change the financial model we did for you know we we normally take in about 2 million dollars in ticket sales Our little mini season that we planned was going to take in $220,000. Yeah, yeah. So if you do one-person shows, but that doesn't allow us to keep our staff of 22 employed. That doesn't allow us to do the kind of marketing we normally do. And we normally have 160 summer employees. This year, we hired three. And how are all those young people going to get that experience? It's so important, the internships, the apprenticeships. Look, could we continue for a year doing very small shows outdoors? It would be limited. It would be limited to the summer. If we got permission to do indoors with the hundred and sixty seats, it would be like doing a stage two it would be and, and you can do that, but you would have to let some staff go. You would have to you would have to change your whole business model. I'm hoping, Kevin, that there's a vaccine in the next yeah, year. Yeah. I mean, we are all yeah. hoping for that
0: And here's where I asked, asked poorly and awkwardly, which is why I'm stepping in to ask it again, whether even after enduring all the headaches of mounting the production, whether they also felt a little abashed about it, since they were lucky to be two of just a few people able to apply their trade this summer. You know, a low-grade survivor's guilt.
1: That's why I want to add to Kevin's survivor's guilt. My answer would be no, because somebody, it had to be done. Yeah. It had to be done. Yeah um because there is too much at stake and 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 listen i am not an administrator i don't know what julie's day is like truly and i understand some people just saying forget it we can't do this we're shutting down but it had to be done well it just coincidentally ended up being barrington and Julie and people and i even said that to equity when i was called to a meeting i said listen this is one guy on one stage with no props in one costume Intermissionless. I know this space intimately. I know the director inside and out. If we can't, if I said to them, quote, if you cannot green light this, you have to tell 51,000 people in my union that you are waiting for a vaccine because it, it, it just, it, it has to be done.
0: Harry Clark is about a man who isolates himself from society in order to get away with things. Well, by isolating yourselves, launching this production and doing it successfully, you also (laughs) have gotten away with something which is to prove that it can be done. I'll quickly ask, if I might, Julie, what's coming up for the rest of the season?
2: Well, we're doing the Rodgers and Hammerstein, uh, The Hills Are Alive with Rodgers and Hammerstein. Uh, The concert now, it started last night in in our tent, which was great. And that's going to go for two weeks. And then the divine Leslie Kritzer, from, you know, Beetlejuice is yeah. going to come up and she's going to close off our outdoor season with a, a cabaret and and her cabaret is titled, Is It Over Yet? Which is so <laughs> perfect. And then because we did not get the governor here will not give us permission to do for any indoor gatherings, even though the COVID rate here is like 0. 0.45, the positivity rate. It's so low. It's unbelievable. And the problem is the eastern side of the state where Boston is and the Cape. Has a higher, you know, has a higher rate, so he he's not doing what a Governor Cuomo does. He does the whole state at once. So we're waiting. I think patiently sometimes, Kevin, impatiently. Yeah, of course. But we're mm. trying to be patient. We're we're ready to go indoors. The theater is ready. So we're postponing our fall productions, which were going to be Jeffrey Hatcher's Three Viewings and Arthur Miller's The Price. And so we get permission. And in the meantime, we're going to do some. Uh, we'll do a couple of Zoom readings. We're, actually, we're doing one. Uh, which starts Saturday, Judgment Day, with uh, Jason Alexander, Patti LuPone, Michael McKean, and Santino Fontana, which is a great, it's a wonderful way for people to be at home and to experience a new play. But um, it's difficult. Yeah, it's difficult to f- figure out what you want to do.
0: Well, Backdrop listeners watch things as they unfold and then mask up and then run, don't walk, but run carefully to Barrington.
1: Can I add something? And you just said the mask up, curtain up, that whole movement, which I think is so phenomenal. And again, too, and Julie just said it, but really um, none of this would have hap- wouldn't have would have happened if it wasn't the citizens of Berkshire County in and of itself being responsible too. So to stress that point is we all have to take care of each other. And there there is a way we can start trying to get through this thing but we, um, you're not my politics. But it's happening. But there's a way. There's a way we can work around it. There's a way we can oddly work with it. And um, it's people being responsible. And I you, just think that yeah, needs to be stressed.
2: It, 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 the thing is, it's it's strange because you know I live in New York and Berkshire County, and there is even though people are careful in New York, there is more. There's a slight carelessness and a, getting comfortable right now in Berkshire County. It's like a badge of honor or courage, mm. you need to wear your mask everywhere. Mm. And I make an announcement for every show, your mask must be above your nose and below your chin. We're sharing the responsibility in Berkshire County. And the audiences understand it and they're yeah. coming and the plays yeah. are being sold out because they get the safety protocol that we do. We even have staff going back and forth during the show to make sure everybody keeps their mask on. So if you've got to take it off, just go behind the tent, go out, go out to the street, right. you can do what you want. When you're back here, you know the rules. I mean, it's like, and at first, you know, someone said, "I heard this podcast earlier on, like, who would go to the theater and wear a mask? I'm not going to the theater if I have to wear a mask." And I thought, like, boy, you just don't know what you're going to be doing in a couple months. This well, was in March. And, I was and like, and how many?
1: And, and how many people? Julie told us. I was sitting there, and I absolutely forgot I was wearing a mask. People were like, "I forgot." Yeah, I just forgot.
0: Well, to yeah. borrow a well-worn yeah. phrase, it takes an audience, right? Uh, Mark H. Dold and Julianne Boyd <laughs> are two of two of the creative forces behind the one-man show, the math doesn't add up there, it never does, of Barrington Stage Company's recent and most importantly <laughs> successfully produced production of Harry Clark. Mark, Julie, bravo, thank you, and, you know, take the rest of the day off. You've earned it. Thank you. Oh, thank, you. thank you,
2: Kevin. It's been a pleasure, a pleasure.
0: For more on Barrington Stage Company's upcoming, if somewhat refined and transmogrified, season, visit BarringtonStageCo.org. If you enjoy The Backdrop, tell your refined and transmogrified friends, and subscribe and review us at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere you listen. The Backdrop is produced by Nella Vera, edited by Nella, and by me, and part of the Broadway Podcast Network.